We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm co-host Chris Scott Moore, joined as always by big, sexy Sean Nash and Weird Al Gibson. What's up, guys? Thank you for oh, that. that amazing intro. Why did that's... Why did Sean get a great one and I got a fucking awful one? Oh, you got you a fucking awful one? You want to know? Oh, hold on. Can you your microphone? Can you turn it up and give me some more? <laughs> I love it. Oh, God. <sighs> I hate you. I That's hate the best way to start the show. <laughs> All righty. Welcome. Please remember to subscribe to the show via iTunes or Spotify. <laughs> Give us a five-star review if you can. Uh, if you have a question you want us to discuss on the show, well, feel free to add one to the comment section and we'll discuss whatever it is you want to talk about on the show next week. And of course, visit our website at wrestlingelitist.com to get our match ratings and latest articles. Sean. Uh, please let everyone know what the format of the show is for anyone that is a first-time listener. Yes, if you still haven't listened yet, every week we are going to give you our match of the week, moment or segment of the week, news item of the week, cringeworthy item of the week. We try not to blabber on too much. Sometimes you got to just let it go on whatever Cody did or whoever. But then we leave you off with what we're anticipating or looking forward to in the months to come. But this week... We are going to hit you with a Winter's Coming preview for this Wednesday's Dynamite. Awesome. Sounds good. Uh, and before we get to the actual show, I would like to uh, give myself a little bit of a pat on the back because it's something we don't have in the show notes for this week. I uh, just want to tell everybody I was correct about Leo and Dante. Uh, so maybe my nickname should be like the Swami or the Oracle uh, next week, Chris. I don't know. Think about it. But, uh, as I As I predicted... In the Dynamite Battle Royal, Dante did turn on Team Taz, and then they didn't really talk about it in that, but Taz mentioned throughout uh, Rampage, he went out of his way to specify that Leo and Dante did that, and there was like a whole thing together. So um, feel free to give me kudos, whatever you guys want to do. I, I'm not here to tell you how to how to praise me. You're doing a great job of patting yourself on the back, so let's leave it at that. That's good. Thank That's you. Good. But... Good call. Good call on it. It definitely happened as exactly as you said. All right. Way to go there, Weird Al. Let's go into what your favorite match of the week was. <laughs> well, uh, speaking of Rampage, it was the Lucha Brothers defeating FTR in the tag title match. I think um, my only real um, comp- like up, like thing that bothered me about it was I don't know why they didn't make it a two out of three falls match since it was supposed to be the f- oh, previous yeah. week. That didn't totally. really make yeah. Mm-hmm. didn't make any sense to me like that and i never heard any explanation as to why it was not uh done that way for this week uh, but some of the things that really stood out to me first of all we've talked about it in previous episodes but ftr for some reason they mesh the best with the like the teams that you would think they wouldn't mesh with or the teams that you think like in kayfabe they would hate like the flippy guys the guys who are all about cool style and everything uh them and the lucha brothers they just have some great chemistry together they could keep having these matches and they'd always be great. Um, some of the spots that I really liked uh, when Penta did his usual Sierra Meadow uh, throw the glove in the air thing. He throws the glove in the air and then just super kicks Dax. I loved that. Uh, the whole uh, Lucha backpack spot with uh, Dash um, countering Ray Phoenix and kind of ter- putting him into like a gory special type of a thing. Uh, that was beautiful. Uh, and then the moment where uh, there was Dax getting hit with the uh, the belt, and then uh, Phoenix jumped up to the top rope, 
uh, ran and kicked Dash in the face, uh, kind of running across the ropes and then hit the frog splash, but got smacked in the face with the belt. I thought that was it, actually. I thought that that was right where they would lose. Um, I just thought the match had a lot of moments that were uh, very great spots. They weren't terribly like Lucha Brother matches sometimes can have almost too much going on. I didn't feel like this had that at all. It was a well-told story. I felt like uh, probably one of their best complete matches from a storyline standpoint and uh, overall happy with the way it ended. I'd love to see FTR have the belts again, but I'm not ready to see the Lucha Brothers give it up. Four stars for me. What did you guys think? Yeah, right back at you. I gave that four stars as well. I thought that was the definitive match of the week. Um, I love the way that these two match, like you said, for a team that in kayfabe has no respect for folks that uh, fly around the ring a lot. They sure have a great chemistry with them. And every match that they've had has um, worked off the other one. I mean, you saw the incorporation of the belt and turning that into a spot and Excalibur called that out. I also did think that was the finish too. Um, They do a great job of with FTR, they being Lucha brothers, they don't go into these finishing moves that would, okay, that would kill you. Like you couldn't like make a two count out of that. So like FTR, I think grounds them quite well. Um, you mentioned too the glove spot, the spot that I love before. And again, I'm not a fan of comedy and wrestling really for some reason. I just can't handle it. But Cash doing the little strut with that uh, was hilarious. It was great. Um, Cash had a lot of great moments in this match. He was very uh, the, his star shine the most, I think out of the four in here. Um, I think it's Dax for me, usually that gets my attention or draws it, but cash was very crisp in his selling of, um, uh, God damn, I'm f- forgetting the name of the spot that, um, Shingo does too. Made in Japan. Sorry. Made in Japan. Brain yeah. fart there, but he did a great sell of that where his body looked, looked like in complete shock before he took it. Um, and yeah, it was just a really good match. I like the story of it. I like that. It wasn't so over the top. And they had believable false finishes, but they didn't feel like it was, okay, come on, this is just unbelievable now at this point. Um, Disappointed that FTR didn't win, but they're going on to another program, it looks like, with Sting and Darby, and we'll see what happens there. And then among some other feuds that we'll talk about later on in the show. So I enjoyed it a lot as well, four stars for sure. Sean, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I I definitely gave it four stars in in merit. It was by far the best wrestling match that was on this week. Um, Dax's slingshot liger bombs are just so great. The way he is able to sit out so well, as soon as that like impact happens, fantastic. And that is it Ngori special or Ngori bomb, whatever uh, cash hit the other one. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, that was so cool. Yeah, um, I've never seen that before. That was, that was, that was incredible. Yeah. Normally I feel like they like fling them around or do something else, but like just the straight, like, backpack drop or whatever like that was sweet um really only like one missed or like botched spot with that that big rig didn't fully connect there but otherwise this match was fully great but i kind of feel like it had a little bit of like we've seen it too many times of the ftr and lucha brothers or and throwing Pac there in the past couple weeks that it just kind of wore me down a little bit that i didn't give it my match of the week and i took my match of the week to the Young Bucks defeating Chuck Taylor and Rocky Romero. Um, this match, like a lot of the matches this week, were just so good. Didn't really feel like there was that many awkward spots throughout it all. These guys blended so well because they have so much history with each other through PWG, Ring of Honor, and throughout the Indies. Just great to see uh, Chuck Taylor finally get like some good 
actual showing of like his like clinical wrestling, not just being the jokester that he is all the time. Um, Adam Cole hitting that brutal pump kick on Orange Cassidy. Great to see. That was a sweet hit. Um, in the end there, when the Young Bucks hit the uh, Meltzer driver off like a uh, pump handle flip from Matt Jackson to that Meltzer driver, just fantastic. They're great wrestlers. I mean, Young Bucks are time and time out the best tag team wrestlers of the year. It was great. And Trent came back. Pretty sweet. And so did his mom in the van. Good to see. Just <laughs> It's so sweet how like she's become some kind of character in the wrestling world or community, whatever. And at the end, Rapungi Vice hitting, it's great, just great yeah, lyrics I, all um, around. I, I like that moment at the end too. I was kind of like, okay, maybe that's my moment of the week. Uh, initially watching Dynamite, um, yeah, the mom coming every month or every show is going to be annoying, but that was. It was a lovely moment and she seemed genuinely happy and proud of her son. Oh, yeah. so I was like, oh whatever, it feels good. Yeah. And like that haircut that's full. Yeah, I don't know yeah, about the whole uh Tyler Durden met Trent Trent Reznor kind of thing he was doing, <laughs> but whatever. Posturing. Yeah. Yeah, he like I said in our group chat, he just looks like Mox and the Blade were just merged together. Uh so I, I don't I don't love the fact that he did, I thought he looked better, like more unique before, but um, yeah, I, I love the stuff with, with the mom, but I only like it in special moments. I don't want that to be their entrance every time that start to get a little weird. Definitely. Um, but that's, it's funny that he, like his friends are all getting beat up and like, he makes a save, but he has to do it in a funny way. Like, I just, I like when you kind of like think about those like weird things in kayfabe, like of like, wait, why did he just have his mom like waiting with him in a minivan in case this happened? So, uh, but I, I thought it was good. It was weird to see him like standing tall, though, because he's never been a super dominant like wrestler in AEW. Like even when when him and Ch- Chuck were doing their best, they, they were just kind of like a tag team that was there. So it was weird to see him kind of like clear house against uh, the Bucks. But cool spot. Good to see him back. Uh, interesting to see what where they take best friends, because, um, you know, Chuck Chuck Taylor, I feel like hasn't really done a whole lot since uh, since Trent left. So good match overall though i had that at three stars yeah i wonder what they'll do with chaos and how that's going to be incorporated or if that's something they do with uh new japan for wrestle kingdom i don't know right they continue to say the the chaos contingent and it just makes me hope like let's bring new japan more into this let's let's see okada let's see full full on chaos all right we all had for our moment of the week the debut of hook now, this was met with probably universal praise and a lot of hyperbole, but kind of well-earned. So before we freak the fuck out about it, let's first go into this. Just wanted to ask you guys both both this before we start. What did you think of Hook two months ago? Did you think that this was going to be the end game or outcome? Not, not even close. No, I, I definitely didn't really expect to be impressed with his first match because... I had never heard like I, there wasn't anything when he debuted back like when there there were still no crowds like there was no like oh this is Taz's son but here's some stuff of him on the indies or whatever and you know he's been doing this like nobody had heard of Hook when he debuted with AEW a year ago you know we haven't seen anything and I kind of assumed we hadn't seen anything from him for a year for a reason and it wasn't uh, yes yeah. yeah I was thinking the same thing and I don't trust uh, second or third generation wrestlers yeah they've made good on some like the rock and randy orton and vince mcmahon but <laughs> not every second generational wrestler is great and 
to me, and I don't want to name anyone in, in, in particular, but I mean, at this rate, it's like, okay, you're Duke the Dumpster Drose's daughter, way to go. So I'm not really impressed <laughs> by the idea of just a second generation wrestler, but he has fucking star presence and he looks like the real fucking deal. And I was blown away. I could not believe it. I thought that was one of the best debuts in years. And he looks like a genuine huge star. So yeah. what were your guys' thoughts? I mean, that generally felt like a pay-per-view event that we just got for free, somehow hyped up on a Friday night that that was taped on a Wednesday. Like somehow just that, that, that build in the couple days really just shot up hook in like this tremendous fashion for someone who never seen on TV more than maybe once. Um, and of course, Action Bronson being your theme song, it's going to do pretty good things for me, like in liking you. Um, I kind of liked, I've been watching like old 90s WWE Raws on uh, the Peacock. Um, and I kind of love that Taz kind of took like a proud father approach other than like when Jerry Lawler would in the 90s would refuse to say that Brian Christopher was his son on commentary. <laughs> so like, good to see, like we're, we're getting out of those ways of proud, proud fatherhood. I don't know. Just different and cool. Um, he's a great wrestler. He, the, his judo throws and all his like, I don't know, he's so strong for being how shredded and skinny he is. Like it just, I wouldn't expect that kind of style from someone like that. But I mean, of course his dad's Taz. So he probably knows all that. He's done that, that um, high collar belly to belly suplex was so sweet and probably yeah, it was great. Like that's probably making Taz happy. He definitely did that so many times and throughout ECW and WWE. It was great. I, there's no way this couldn't have been the moment of the week somehow just for this young little cocky high school looking dude. Yep. Uh, I, I agree with pretty much everything you said there. And I think what's cool about Hook is, first of all, they don't hide that his dad is Taz. But it's also cool that he doesn't really look like Taz in terms of like body style, anything like that. He doesn't wrestle completely like him. There's obviously a lot of um, similarities. And there are some moments where you're like, oh, he's paying homage to his dad, things like that. But it's I hate when you watch somebody and you could tell they're just trying. I, I, I would have hated to have seen him and been like, oh, this is just Taz Jr. You know what I mean? Um, he didn't feel like that. Like, he, he actually looks, some of the moves he did looked better than what his dad does in terms of like that, uh, that suplex that he did. And even the, oh, I forget what they're calling the Taz mission now because Taz red rum. Um, oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, I thought that that looked great. Uh, Fuego did a great job selling for him the whole time. Um, you know, the, he definitely is like, I mean, he's shredded. He's just absolutely shredded, but he's still not a big guy. So it'll be interesting to see him get bigger uh, over the next year or so, kind of similar to what we've seen Jungle Boy do. Um, but yes, as far as the the few, the theme, got to love it. Absolutely love Action Bronson. And like it just fits. Like That's such a New York sounding song. Taz is like the most new york new yorker of all so like just everything about that and i even just like the the light amount of presentation in the entrance i really enjoyed he's kind of no nonsense coming straight to the ring just looking like he's ready to beat the shit out of you absolutely loved it i haven't been one of these people like this whole this last year that's been like ironically loving hook i mean i made a joke on friday to you guys and said like oh this is the most anticipated rampage since cm punk but really like i haven't you know been on that that bandwagon but he's been he was great i think considering how he was kind of set up from it like, as a meme a little bit he blew everybody out of the water and it kind of did a great job to just actually 
um, shoot past that. And now people after one match truly respect him and what he can do in the ring. Yeah. Um, just from the start, his body posture and just his presence, the the fact that he went into the turnbuckle and just had his back to Fuego, that was great. Just showing himself, making himself look like a legitimate star. And yeah. just carrying himself with presence beyond his years. I thought he was like fucking 18 and all I could think about was his stupid hair. And that's why I just didn't think of him because I feel old now where I'm like, oh, maybe that's what teenagers like these days. And I just I don't like it by by association. So I just couldn't appreciate Hook at all. <laughs> and then he comes out and you're like, holy fuck, this kid's the real deal. And he didn't do anything, but just the way he walked and carried himself. You're like, okay, this is something different. It's a different presentation. This looks real. He's a handsome kid. He looks good. He looks like a star. And this is show business, too. And I think like that gets lost as, as well at times wrestling. Like, this show business. And that guy looks like a star. He kind of reminded me of one of those, um, the Logan Paul brothers, the boxers. Like, yeah. someone who could turn into, okay, kids yeah. watch that shit and they love to hate it and they'll spend money for it. Okay, maybe that's the route they go with them um, by utilizing his, like, real skill set on top of it. But the match itself, uh, just suplexes which i love to see i'm a big fan of suplexes like taz did in the old days and then the finisher the katahajime that's the best finisher that hasn't been used in forever and i've been waiting to see it and taz held on to it i think i don't think he gave anyone the the ability to use it because in wrestler uh you know they they ask hey can i use your finisher hey could i do it and he held on to it obviously knowing that this would be the outcome i'd think and it's gonna fucking work um and i think like the overreaction too with the fan base like there's a lot of people who are just like super fucking hyped up about it on the internet um which is fine but it just shows like how much we haven't had a new star it feels like in a long time like this was felt like okay this is something new and that we haven't had it so it's exciting to see what happens with him um i like wrestling that looks like more of a shoot so this is for me uh it doesn't need to be five stars it just needs to seem authentic so i'm excited to see where they go with it who they partner him up with and uh, what the future holds Alex. Yeah. And just on the presentation thing with him also, I just want to like the fact that and a couple of guys are doing it, like wearing like more of like the MMA style shorts for some reason, that little change for me with a lot of these wrestlers has like, it's just kind of made it seem a little bit more like true, like shoot style to me. I, for some reason that that gets me to where I'm like, Oh, this guy means fucking business. He's wearing MMA shorts have no real explanation for why that works for me, but it does. Yeah. And the, the other thing I thought of too, with this uh, is, and, and again, I, I don't want to shit on NXT, but the, the new version of it is supposed to be younger and numbers just came out. I think like someone tweeted it last week or whatever, but it was like their numbers are skewing higher than they ever have in terms of age demographics and 60 year olds are more are watching the show more than young people are. And you would think this is a guy that they would have wanted in their system, but totally slipped through their fingers. And he should be what NXT 2.0 should be, but it ain't happening. He's going to be in AEW for the long haul, and Vince isn't going to be able to get his hands on him. Dude, I I was super excited when I heard that uh, Dominic Mysterio was going to start training and everything like that. Hook, to me, looked like more of a superstar on Friday than Dominic Mysterio has looked so far in the WWE, despite having, obviously, Ray as his dad and having the performance center. Ray has, or Hook looked more legitimate. I saw Dominic at uh, Money in the Bank Live, and he's not po- he's not nearly as polished. WWE rushed him, and AEW, on the other hand, 
they took a year to let Hook become Hook, and I think it's going to pay off. So impressive debut. It'll be great to see what they do with him. Uh, they'll have to be very careful on who they select him to wrestle against. He can't go against um, a big fucking tall guy because it's going to make it's going to look kind of make him look tiny. But they protect him. He's going to be uh, one hell of a draw. So exciting to see that. Okay, so let's move on to news of the week. Uh, Alex, what was your news item that you wanted to discuss? For me, the news item of the week was uh, FTR challenging the Briscoes at final battle. I know, Chris, that absolutely upsets you, probably. I know you're uh, anti-Briscoe, <laughs> not a fan of chicken farming. You don't like sustainable living. You don't like chicken um, farmers? No. <laughs> Damn. But... Uh, Final battle. I I actually didn't watch it, which I I would have if I remembered that it was on. But I, I ended up catching a bunch of highlights afterwards, and uh, they did a lot of interesting stuff. And like it didn't, from what I saw, it's almost like it didn't feel like a final show. So obviously, um, the stuff with the Briscoes makes me feel like that means that they're probably coming to AEW or at least doing some sort of a uh, a stint in AEW. Um, they're probably you know one of the more prolific tag teams to never. Uh, step foot in WWE. And I think that, um, you know, once again, FTR, they always mesh well with people that have different styles than them. And the Briscoes both have a different style and a similar style. Like they're very hard hitting in the same way, but at the same time, they're also at times very high risk. Uh, specifically, Mark um, can kind of go wild at times. I think that that's going to be a really good match. Um, interested to see how they do it, if they do it for like the AAA titles, if they do it um, you know, for, uh, something else, or if it's just a straight up one-on-one match, um, definitely interested in the possibilities that actually goes on beyond, uh, FTR versus the Briscoes though, as well, seeing them with the Bucks again, seeing them with, uh, some of the other tag teams in AEW's division. So it'll be interesting to, uh, see how the next few months unfold with that. Yeah. If they don't bring them in, it just shows how great of workers FTR are though, to keep themselves in, everyone's heads they're in the sting and darby feud they just wrapped up this lucha one they're going to go after briscoe's now they're doing a good job of making themselves seem relevant when they're not going to get a touch at the titles for a while because they are going to naturally have to kind of go in the back burner a little bit but this time it looks like they've set themselves up to have something going to get some buzz or to get their name out there and maybe if they do some indie bookings or something along those lines when they know they're going to be on timeout for a little bit because they naturally have to this gives them something to do against the briscoe's um yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, um, I don't know if they're going to get signed based on the tweets. I know that was a decade ago, and it's up to, I don't know, Tony and a lot of people to see if, hey, does that, are you comfortable bringing them on? Because um, a lot of people have made some pretty regrettable tweets and have gotten second chances or have not. So um, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm not the biggest fan, but uh, they're good workers, you know. Yeah, they they had a their like one tryout with WWE and then sh- put their out there like infamous not cosmetically pleasing promo on YouTube. It's hilarious to see, but just crazy to see that we haven't seen these guys on TV yet. I mean, they've they've done their wrong things on Twitter, but now at least hopefully just get a little shot, maybe things will change, but it would definitely be cool to see the Briscoes invade on AEW. I will say I don't necessarily need them and for a long term in AEW, but there are some dream matches that I just definitely feel the need to see before uh, they go the way of the Dodo. For sure. Nice. All right. Sean, what was your news item of the week? Um, 
not as cool as that, but uh, just I saw, um, according to Meltzer on the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, um, most of WWE's uh, wrestlers' pay structures changed. They before used to be like on a mostly on a downside guarantee, guaranteed a certain amount of money, and then earn more for merch, house show, uh, pay per view bonuses, and stuff like that. Um, now, just like a straight up salary based um, pay pay structure. No house show or merch bonuses, but uh, just a higher salary in general. So it probably works out a little bit for some people, makes it a little more fair on the scale of like someone like who wants to buy a Baron Corbin t-shirt or a, a Viking Raiders t-shirt. So like they're not going to get screwed by just the, the oh, you could have made more if you, you you got over and we're not helping you get over. So other than that, uh, Reigns, he noted Reigns and Lesnar are making like $5 million in this kind of structure. So Pretty cool for the, the little guys who probably had a harder time, but just an interesting little note. Yeah, it's an interesting fact, but I think one of the things that's good about it, like you mentioned, it gives a base for um, other talent. They don't have to rely on an outdated model like house shows uh, to get additional compensation. But the thing that's troublesome of it, it is a self-fulfilling prophecy, perhaps. If we're not going to make any t-shirts there's no point in making you a star on the show and so you can kind of decide someone's fate based on their pay rate and that kind of did wcw in in a lot of ways back in the day so it's an odd choice to make that mistake of history repeating itself however um yeah i mean they're not getting any you know dvds are gone now that kind of came out two weeks ago where they're not doing that anymore and if they're not getting streams off the network or peacock that is kind of troublesome, though, for the guys, though, to not know that they're getting residuals and that doesn't get that doesn't touch them at all. So it's uh, hard to make of it because we don't have, you know, we're not privy to their contracts, so we don't fucking know. So it's all speculation. But, um, yeah, there's some good sides and there's some downsides and hopefully people save their money. You know, uh, my news item of the week, speaking of WWE, are uh, free to free two <laughs> new free agents. <laughs> uh, and Kyle O'Reilly and Johnny Gargano um, free made free a couple last. of hints that they could be coming on to uh, the main roster or main roster to AEW at some point and, and hinted around that. So maybe that'll happen. I'd like to see Johnny wrestling go up against some of the uh, superstars of AEW. And I'd like to see Kyle O'Reilly perhaps join uh, that stable with Brian Danielson. That could be fun. So who knows? Maybe they won't do that, though, and they'll just join the Super Elite. But uh, I would love to see Kyle O'Reilly get to uh, have another opportunity. Yep, I was super pumped about kind of seeing the update that Gargano had put out a pro wrestling tea store and everything. And it's not even from an aspect of like, oh, I don't want him in WWE, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm just excited to see some of the matchups in AEW that he can have uh, potentially. And I think that unfortunately we know what would have happened if he stayed with WWE and to the main roster, most likely he's just, he's a small guy and that's not really their typical star. Um, You know, so we can assume what would have likely happened with that and to see him go to AEW where he can really put on some great matches. um, I'll say it every single episode. I loved him versus Andrade. Want to see that again. Happy to happy to have that happen anytime. Same thing, he had some good matches um, with plenty of guys probably on the indies as well. And hopefully that would mean that we could see Candice LeRae uh, within the next year after she gives birth and finishes out her WWE contract. And then Kyle O'Reilly, I think, is super interesting because of everything going on with the Super Click and figuring out exactly um, 
who whose lo- loyalty lies where, how things shake out, especially when when uh, Kenny does come back eventually from his injury and everything. Yeah, I would love to see this play out, Johnny Gargano, at least um, in Cleveland in AEW when we are there in January. Yeah, I was, was going to say the same thing. I was like, hopefully it's, it's hopefully it's for the show we had done. Thankfully, no ninety days, so we can just fly right into that. Um, and Kyle O'Reilly's great. I mean. That would be amazing to see him in there, and then hopefully some little stints in New Japan too. Yeah, you know, I don't know how many bumps Johnny has left in his body too. I don't know his age, but I know he's been wrestling for forever, and I think Kyle O'Reilly the same. And unfortunately, there just isn't anyone in NXT 2.0 that we're dying to see because it's all new guys. And yeah, they could carry the roster, but there's nowhere for them to go, and they've done it all that they could possibly do. So it does give them the opportunity to have some fresh matchups and. Um, I couldn't think of a better TNT champion than Johnny Gargano. So that would be a hell of a run to build up to that and uh, have him hold on to it by an inch each and every week. Uh, Moving along, though, let's go into our cringe of the week. Uh, Alex. Yeah, so I I updated my cringe of the week uh, just before showtime because I stepped on Twitter, which is an absolute uh hellhole of a place to be Dumpster fire. and uh saw a tweet from bully ray so i'll read the exact uh tweet verbatim it says i dare someone to be a real fucking heel in the wrestling business right now not an entertaining heel not a heel you love to hate a heel that commands hatred draws money and can make any face who comes through the curtain talk tomorrow on busted open radio and he's he said this last night so it was for today i this is probably the most passionate you'll hear me talk shit about somebody. Uh, Bully Ray's a fucking idiot. He ruined ROH already before. Uh, <laughs> he's ruined. He ruined ROH. He was an awful booker there. He has zero understanding of what the business is today. Sure, in the '90s that existed. That made sense. There was there was a world where you actually needed a heel that truly commanded hatred, and people wanted to see them get beat up. Everybody who watches wrestling. Uh, for the most part, I should say, not everybody, but majority of people who watch wrestling today understand that wrestling is fake. We don't need somebody to be truly hated. MJF's a perfect example. I can root against him in every single feud that he's in, and I still fucking appreciate what he does. I, I think he's a good heel. He does what he's supposed to do. He does get baby faces over. He probably wins a little bit more than you'd want a traditional heel to win, but that's because he's a future star of the company, current star of the company. But overall, this is just, I'm, I feel like wrestling is like baseball where the old guard just wants to ruin it by refusing to evolve and seeing someone like Bully Ray, the fact that he even has a podcast is stupid to me. Uh, there's a reason that he's not, he's not working anywhere. Uh, you know, if you heard Devon a few months ago, he actually talked about how the reason that they split up and the reason that they're not wrestling in WWE anymore is because Devon was there under the impression that they would be, uh, putting over young stars and helping everybody kind of get over and everything like that. And bully Ray wanted another tag title run. And that was like the whole thing. And that's the reason he left bully Ray is the biggest bully Ray mark there is. And he should be embarrassed by that tweet because it's proof that he doesn't understand the business today. All right. Shots fired. Shots fired. Wow. You, I mean, you said it perfectly. I think that was, that was great. That hit it all. Yeah, man. All right. Do you feel better? Transition out of that, Chris. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's just go. Well, now we have to go to something sad. Our cringe. Yeah, we want to go to something darker than that. Yeah. Unfortunately. There's nothing, there's nothing fun about this tweet or this segment, but. 
this uh, life happening. Sean and I both mentioned this as like the, our cringe of the week. And typically, yeah, cringe of the week is like a booking decision or a wrestling philosophy or something about Cody. Um, but it's not about someone's <laughs> like overall well-being or health. And it's it's just a sad situation. Uh, Jeff Hardy uh, was speculated. And again, this is allegedly and speculated that he was uh, inebriated in the ring. And then there's a video of him just walking out randomly. And then WWE asked him to go to rehab and he refused. And so he's fired. Um, we talked about uh, on the show last week of the uh, mental health video that AEW put out and how proud we were that um, folks are getting out of the bad habits that they had in the 90s and the 80s. And it's nice to know that the company and the sport has evolved. Um, and it sounds like he's not ready to evolve. Um, and it's sad. It's sad because, uh, you know, he has a lot of fans and a lot of kids look up to him. But I stopped looking up to him in 2003, the first time it happened. And it just, you feel sad. And that's, and that's, it, it, it's an unfortunate thing. And you don't believe in him anymore and you get worried about him. And uh, yeah, there's not a, there's not a nice thing to say or, or, or not a happy way to talk about it. It's just a tragic situation. Um, you can't keep him employed. You can't give him money because it's going to go to who knows what, supposedly. So, it's the only thing WWE could do, and I think they do the right thing in offering everyone rehab, uh, not only in their own company, but just the industry, uh, industry-wide. It's a good thing to do. Uh, it's the right thing to do, and it's something you can't criticize them for. Um, and it would be a huge uh, blemish on Tony Khan's name if he signed Jeff right now, uh, and I hope he doesn't. I hope Jeff goes away and gets himself clean and figures out life and gets healthy again and doesn't take bumps anymore because you just don't need it. Um, that was my thoughts. I just think it's all, the whole thing is sad. It sucks. It's disappointing to hear. And I think for a lot of fans, you just kind of thought it was inevitable, which also isn't good either. Honestly, it's um, Jeff is a guy that I, I'm at a point where I don't even necessarily ever want to see him wrestle. And you just kind of said it like, even if he gets clean, he just can't stay. He can't stay clean. And I have a feeling that wrestling is something that triggers him into that, whether it's because of the pain. So he feels the need to get rid of it, or it's just the bad influence and kind of what wrestling has been for him for his whole life. I think that he needs to just take the step to get away from wrestling. I don't see him doing it. Um, I don't see, you know, I feel like we saw it with his brother, you know, with that injury where in that match with Sammy, where he just continues going, even though it's not good for his health. That was all worst decision and and some of that falls too on AEW and their doctors and everything but like those two just they don't put themselves or their health first ever and i hope that that means that tony khan will put their health before for them and make that decision for jeff that you know you can't you can come in you could be maybe a producer a mentor for some people like because everybody compares darby to jeff um but i i at this point don't really care to ever see him in the ring because Jeff's always going to wrestle like Jeff, and that means putting his body on the line, which then potentially means him, uh, you know, turning to something to help get rid of that pain, especially at this age. I don't, I'm 13 years younger than him, and I have no desire to go through half of the uh, trauma that his body goes through on a normal basis. So um, overall, it's super sad. Um, and I've seen like, there are some people that were even insinuating like, oh, he's not actually on drugs. He's actually, he just wanted to get fired. So this was his way of doing it. If that's the case, then I have just as like, there's no respect for me there like that. Cause that we know what his past is. So that's really weird to me that he would then like make people think that 
don't think it's the case. Absolutely think he needs to get help. Um, and hopefully he does. Hopefully AEW does reach out and helps him. But I, I just, I don't need to ever see him in an AEW ring or really any ring at all. Yeah. Um, the wrestling business doesn't seem like by far even close to the easiest business to be in and try and get off a, a substance abuse problem. Um, there's no way you can go put through your, put your body through even just a normal wrestler's wear and not have probably an addiction that was forced from early in the night or late in the nineties, early in two thousands. It's just so sad to see that he continues on with all of it, but continues just to come right on back. And yeah, I saw like the post of like, he kind of just did this on purpose to get fired. It's sad to see if that is, cause this is someone who kind of got me into wrestling when I was younger of just like dreams of being that high flying person and doing whatever and being risky with your own body. Um, hopefully he doesn't come to AEW just because this wrestling's not the place to become sober and clean and be a mentor, but don't ever step in the ring. Like you guys said. Yeah. And it's sad too, because he just did that Steve Austin, uh, broken skull sessions and they talked about him leaving in 2002, 2003, and he couldn't take advantage of the momentum he had with the undertaker. And he looked back on it, was able to see, yep. Cause I made some bad choices and I regret doing that. And it's sad that, history repeats itself and allegedly he doesn't see that he has a problem. Um, and I, and I, yeah, going back to what you said to Alex, like I just don't understand how anyone could be a super fan and go, I really want to see him wrestle Darby. You're not watching Jeff Hardy from 2001 wrestle Darby. You're watching a man who's really hurting and doesn't need to do it. And he shouldn't entertain us this way anymore. It's just, it's sad. It's not fun. There's nothing entertaining about it. And he's obviously hurting really well or severely. Um, those spots add up. Those huge bladder bumps build up. Um, and it's going to fuck you up if you try to do it for 20 more years. It just doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't work out that way. So hopefully he gets help and hopefully he takes it. And um, yeah, there's a happy ending because it genuinely doesn't feel like there's going to be a happy ending. And that's what's scary and sad. Uh, and I hope we don't have to talk about him in this context ever again, because that sucks. I don't want to do that fucking show. Not at all. But, all right, so we're going to transition out of that and talk about what we are anticipating. And what we're anticipating is winter is coming. Winter is coming Wednesday. So we're going to talk about the show itself. And uh, the first match of the show that we know so far is going to be Wardlow versus Matt Seidel. Um, not a whole hell of a lot to the buildup, but what do you think is going to be the outcome of this one? We'll start with you, Sean. Uh, I, I feel like this is just going to be a dominating performance by Wardlow. Not quite a squash because you can't really do that to Matt Seidel. But uh, I kind of wonder if this is going to build into a little irking of the the breaking up of him and the MJF crew. We'll see. Um, it's always kind of good to see uh, Matt Seidel, but I definitely just think Wardlow kind of runs through him quickly, easily, and in dominating fashion. Alex, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, not too much to, to add to that. I Every time Wardlow's involved in anything, I kind of assume that there's going to be something with Spears or MJF that uh, that kind of helps push that forward. There's slowly, you know, you saw last week where MJF helped eliminate Wardlow. 
Um, so I continue to think that we're going to see some some more threads of that as we get closer and closer to. I would imagine that you know the earliest that happens is uh, revolution. But if we just kind of keep dropping little hints and and getting a little bit closer to that, um, that's kind of what I'm expecting. Because otherwise, it seems like a weird match to have on this card. Yeah, uh, I think Wardlow is going to go over. Obviously, I think it's going to be about a four to five minute match. I'd like to see Wardlow have to sell a little bit and just show some struggle to see what he can do in that position. But ultimately, um, he's going to get the W here. So um, hopefully, ho- hopefully that's not a longer match and it's only one segment long and that's it because there's other matches on the card that are going to need to go quite long. So moving on next to the Dynamite Dynamite Ring. I think that's what they call it. I don't know. Uh, for the for the ring, it's MJF versus Dante Martin. Sean, what are your thoughts? That son of a bitch. I was so close to having as Ricky Starks, but just had to be what Alex said. But uh, this should be good. I think it'll be entertaining for sure. Um, there's no way Dante Martin doesn't put on an, an exhilarating high-flying match, so that'll be sweet. And MJF, the bastard that he is, will somehow find a way to kind of sneak in a – a shot on his knee or something with a like a chair shot from Sean Spears or something. So it'll definitely be interesting to see. Um, not what I predicted, not what I wanted, but it'll definitely be fun to watch. Alex? Yep. I uh, It's exactly what I predicted, but um, so I can't relate <laughs> to you on that. But um, I do think that this will be a good match. Uh, I'm, I'm actually torn on who I think will win. I've kind of told myself that if, Wardlow gets screwed in the Matt Seidel match, then he's going to screw MJF. Yeah. And it won't necessarily be like a turn, but it will be like a, a this for that, you know, type of a move where it's like, we're even now. Um, there's that part of me that thinks Dante wins because it's weird for MJF to win three years in a row, especially with how much they've been building up Dante lately. Uh, but then there's also that part of me that doesn't necessarily know that I have MJF lose right now when he's facing CM Punk also on that side feud. So very interested to see how they do this match and kind of what the outcome is. Uh, You know, it's going to be good. Uh, MJF really shined at uh, full gear and I'm looking forward to seeing him continue that momentum. Yeah. Part of me wondered if this was written initially as Dante Martin winning and then Leo Rush pawning the ring or something like that. And that's his businessman side. And maybe that's what they do with it. I don't know. Um, and like you said, yeah, I think it's maybe it could get old for some members of the audience to have MJF win it so many years in a row. I don't mind him winning it again, though. I think it just goes back to his heelish character. Um, and they do need to push the accelerator at some point on him and Wardlow. So maybe it is winter's coming, but they do have some other big shows that are coming as well that they need to sprinkle some things in there, too. So maybe it does get pushed out. So my prediction is MJF to be Dante Martin in this one. Yeah, MJF, I think, is going over in this for sure so the next match has all the potential in the world to steal the show it's a match that we've been big fans of and we've been really hyping these two up and think that they're an excellent pair so serena deeb versus sheeta sean what's on your mind for this match um yeah what this is like the rubber match now it's one and one we'll see who comes out on top um every time they put on great matches. This is definitely going to be a nice showing of the the women's division. Um, nothing really to to gain in this match. Really, it's just going to be probably set you up for the next number two spot in the the AEW women's roster um, seating or whatever. So, 
definitely be, I think they're definitely going to put on a great show in. So I'm ready. I'm excited to see that. What do you got winning it? Oh yeah. Sorry, I guess. Um, I think she takes it out. I think she's kind of the younger talent. She's got the, the, the more career ahead of her. And I think this would be a good thing for kind of Serena Deeb to kind of pass the, pass the torch officially. Are your thoughts, Alan? Really excited for this match, first of all. I think um, it has potential to pass what I believe is currently the best women's match that AEW's had, which was uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker and that unsanctioned Lights Out match. Um, I believe that this has quite a bit of potential to pass that up, which is exciting for multiple reasons. Uh, but first of all, just because it'll be nice for it to be a like a legitimate wrestling match rather than a uh, hardcore match being their number one. Um, because I think that that goes further in terms of a wrestling fan's view of like a respected match. Um, for me, I'm torn on who I think wins for some reason. I can't get the idea of like Serena Deeb joining, which we talked about last week, a, like a faction with Brian Danielson. Uh, so I, there's a part of me that thinks that she, uh, that she actually squeaks out the win here. Um, this match has been building for a while and like I've, I've been excited for it. Um, I, if I have to commit, I'm going deep, I think here. And I'm going to say that this match uh, has, you already said it, Chris, but it has potential to actually end up being the best match on the card for sure. Yeah. I'm excited as hell to see it. I think Serena's going to take it. I think that she probably pairs up the best with Ruby Soho, who may win the TN or the TBS title even Britt Baker, because Britt's kind of like a heelish or a, a faceish heel that Bully Ray wouldn't like. Uh, so, <laughs> sorry, that is tight. So, um, but no, I think Serena probably Thank matches you. well with both of them a little bit more. So I, that's why I'm going with her, but it's a fucking coin flip. I think they're going to put on, I would think, a four-star match with just in their sleep. Um, their last match they had was my favorite women's division match in AEW. So I think this one will be able to top it. Uh, I think they'll do a lot of great submissions and false finishes, and that's going to be epic. I kind of sometimes get disgusted with a run of false finishes that just are belabored and goes on and on and on. But with this being the tiebreaker, that's perfectly appropriate to do it. And I'm glad that they're putting it on Winter is Coming because it gives them a lot of time, potentially. It's a big show. Hopefully the, the card only has four or five matches, so they are given two to three segments to really have a long narrative and a long story because these are great women wrestlers that uh, deserve some spotlight. Cool. All right. So then let's go to the main event. Hangman Adam Page defending for the first time, which is kind of crazy to think. It's only this is his first time defending against Brian Danielson. You notice the pause before I say the name, just being extra fucking careful that I don't fuck up and humiliate myself. A second of thought. I was dancing on I was dancing on the video hoping that it would distract you and then you'd accidentally <laughs> say the wrong one. Can't stop this man. All right, Sean, what are your thoughts on this main event? Uh yeah, I mean this is what the people come to see. This is definitely gonna be a great match. Um no doubt that this match kind of will hopefully set the tone for Hangman's future championship run. I, I definitely think he retains in a way I don't know. I think in the text message threads of ours. Chris kind of hoped for a uh, time limit draw. That would be great. Um, 
I just this is not the time to just give a, a transitional championship run to Hangman Page. He's so over with the crowd that I definitely think that he's just got to keep the belt, continue this thing. I I feel like this is the first time we're seeing him wrestle since he won the belt. Did he? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. So like, it'll be great to finally see him back in the ring and with some gold around, around his waist again. But finally, the the one true champion. So, Alex, what are you thinking? Yeah, I think that that's kind of the corner that AEW got booked into when they had Danielson win is them to me him winning uh this week uh, as the first challenger in the first match against Hangman since he won the title uh would kind of retroactively partially ruin a little bit of the story arc that they told to get Hangman to full gear. So I can't in my mind justify hangman losing here although if there's anybody that they could do it with and make make it end up making sense it is danielson so in my in my heart of hearts i believe hangman wins here i think this match will be great i think there's gonna be a moment that scares me that thinks that hangman's actually about to lose um i think that this and the sheeta versus steve match it's it's a toss-up on who's gonna put on the best show and uh, can't wait to see them try to outdo one another. Yeah, I was a little bit thinking that Hangman was going to drop the belt because he hasn't had a defense yet. And that just seems almost too perfect. Like he, this first defense, he loses it. I don't know. I hope that's not the case. I'd like to see him again have a lengthy run too. Um, so his character doesn't go back to what it was and they backtrack. And you don't also don't want the audience just to shit on him and go, okay, I don't care anymore, or I don't give up, or I think they're never going to run with him, so I'm not going to be as emotionally invested. Um, so hopefully he gets a big win, and if there's someone who can recoup from it, it's Danielson. The guy can build himself back up, and he can lose a shit ton and still be fine. His character right now is so good that you don't want to see him lose, but that's what happens when you book wrestling correctly is it makes you want to watch because you don't know what's going to happen. And we, we couldn't be in a better situation than this Wednesday night, not knowing what the fuck is going to happen and probably being very satisfied with whatever outcome that they put out. So that's always fun to see as a fan. Um, my guess was that they were going to do some sort of time limit draw so they could maybe have them wrestle again on the TBS debut or the Clash of the Champion, Battle of the Belts uh, show that they have. So maybe they have a series. Maybe they do do a back and forth with the belt. I don't think that makes sense i like how they've had long reigns i wouldn't want to do that but maybe that's what they do i don't know so i'm going to be very excited i think there's going to be a lot of great again false finishes that don't feel like oh jesus christ all these false finishes it's going to feel or, or, or organic and we're going to get sucked in yeah and you make a good point about not knowing who's going to win this match three out of the four matches i feel Pretty much, I don't know who's going to win. And I think that that says a lot in 2021 pro wrestling to feel that way, to go into a card where 75% of it, I'm really unsure of like how I feel about it. Like there's times where I might be wrong, but I was convinced that, you know, XYZ was going to happen and then I end up wrong. That's fine or whatever. But I'm legitimately going into this just saying, I don't know. I have to guess one or the other and I'm going to go with this one. So very excited to see how it all shakes out. And I'm actually really excited for next week's episode when we get to review it. Cool. Awesome. All right. So um, before we go and wrap up the show, Alex wants to do debut of a new segment. Yes. So speaking of anticipation, we are going to be at 
AEW Dynamite and Rampage and being filmed live in Cleveland at the end of January. And Cleveland if you've listened to this show enough, you know that uh, one thing that we hate is when they show people on the TV that do not know the lyrics to Judas. So I would like to test both of you. Uh, I will read to you a line and I want you to tell me what the next line of the song is. This is great. This is great. Oh. So unfortunately, I feel like there's only one that was actually kind of challenging. Um, so in my head, I've just decided which one of you gets that one. Um, so Sean. Damn. What's up? <laughs> oh, this guilt is a heavy cross. What is the next line? That's a lyric. <laughs> <laughs> Say it again. Oh, this guilt is a heavy cross. Hmm. Oh, you, you've really stumped me here. As a as a one time Fozzy concert attendee, I can uh, I can uh, spot this one. Chris, do you know that? Can you for the God, steal? No. It's not uh, the it, correct answer we were looking for. Oh, what were you going to guess? It's not Judas in my mind. I don't know. Like what? Other than that. <laughs> <It's not laughs> the, so the line is, oh, this guilt is a heavy cross. There is blood on the path I walk. Oh, oh. damn. Pain maker. Chris, baby. you are up. Oh, shit. <sighs> I am cold like December snow. Oh, God. It's hard when you're on the spot. <laughs> I drop like November rain. <laughs> Not even close. Uh, I actually be close. <laughs> Sean, for the steal, I am cold like December snow. Oh, it's like right in the beginning. I can like spot it, but I just can't yeah. think of the next. Yeah. When I said this, you gave uh, a look like, I can't believe you gave him an easy one. And now you don't even know it. Yeah. Nope. I mean, it's hard when you're on the spot. I don't know. It's, it's a lot of pressure. Um, Cold like December snow. No, I don't know. Damn it. I am cold like December snow. I have carved out this soul made of stone. Oh, uh, that's so deep. Yeah. So, uh, well, guys. I think my maybe, November rain lyric better. He should have gone uh, with that. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you guys should bone up on the lyrics a little bit before, uh, yeah. before January 26th, because I don't want to be embarrassed out there with you guys. Yeah. So. Check out my Spotify wrapped next year, and it'll definitely be fo- Fozzie at the top just because of this. <laughs> That's what I like to hear. <laughs> no, definitely going to have to learn them because I don't know them from Adam. I think I know some, I knew some of it at one point, but I, it totally escapes I, me now. I thought I did. Now, I have no clue. I actually thought that Sean would get the I am cold like December snow, so that's why I didn't give it to him. Yeah. It's funny to hear them out of context, though, because they sound so 80s and corny. Yeah. It's like a silly, like someone trying to write like an Ozzy song. Poetry. Yeah, I'm 15. I'm 15. And this is deep. That's <laughs> that's what I get when I read these lyrics. Uh, and it also has references to the New Testament. <laughs> <laughs> that's my favorite part. <laughs> Christian ethnography kind of sprinkled in there. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Gotta love it. Alrighty, so that's it for the show this week. Uh, that'll wrap us up. So again, subscribe to us on iTunes or Spotify. 
please visit WrestlingElitist.com for our latest match reviews and articles. And you can help support the show and website by sharing our content with the rest of the IWSC. And finally, if you have a question or a topic that you'd like us to address on the podcast, hit us up in the comments section whenever you, wherever you stream your podcast or email us through WrestlingElitist.com. Rick Rude, hit the music. Hit the music.